Warrior listeners, Josh Haston here from Jerusalem. It's May the 7th, 2019, the second of ER 5779. Welcome to the Israel Victory Podcast, a project of the Middle East Forum and Galei Israel Radio. We are broadcasting to the world from Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish people. Thanks so much for joining us on a beautiful Tuesday here, getting ready for Yom HaZikaron Memorial Day in Israel one of the saddest days, if not the saddest day, on the calendar. In addition to Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Independence Day, a lot of emotions that go into both of those days back to back. There's nothing like it in the world. If you haven't been here in Israel during this time of year, get over here, experience it, put your put yourself and your destiny with the Jewish people of Israel. We're going to talk about Yom Ha'atzma'ut and Yom HaZikaron later on in the show, but... Since we spoke last week, but first I have to introduce my, my guests here before I go on this rant. Joining us in studio, Daniela Trobe, political commentator and renowned author. Rochelle Tuito from the Middle East Forum. In addition, Danny Seaman, the director of the Israel Office of the Middle East Forum. As I was saying, um, since we spoke last week, things have uh, gotten a little bit Hot and heavy in Israel, to put it mildly, and I'll just give you the numbers, of course, referring not, not to... Not hot and heavy in the way that some... No, not like that. Not like that. But uh, by the numbers here in this morning's Jerusalem Post, over the weekend, starting Saturday, Shabbat morning, up until Monday morning, about almost 48 hours, 698 rockets fired at Israel by terror groups in Gaza, Hamas, in PIJ so-called Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Is there any other jihad besides Islamic <laughs> Islam- Jihad? <laughs> Why no. do we have to say, we're the Islamic Jihad? What other jihad does anybody know besides Islamic? That's a good point. Good question. <laughs> we should talk to whoever came up with the term <laughs> yeah. for them. Unnecessary words they're using. 244 Iron Dome interceptions. Unfortunately, four Israelis murdered. Four Israeli f- Israelis uh, killed. Fatalities as a result of the attacks. 234 Israelis injured. Um, 350 IDF attacks then on positions in Gaza. It started, I believe, just before Shabbat on Friday at the weekly so-called demonstrations, which are really violent uh, attempts at infiltrating into the state of Israel, protests along the border where two soldiers were hurt. Israel responded, and the next thing you know, my phone uh, was going crazy starting on Saturday morning, lasting for almost 48 hours. And here we are now on Tuesday with yet another so-called ceasefire. So that's a general summary about everything that's happened since Saturday morning, and I'll let you guys take it away, discuss the situation over the weekend, and discuss where we are now here in Israel. Go right ahead. Jump on in, uh, Rochelle. Well, first first of all, I'd like to say that uh, my family lives in Ashkelon. Um, Oh, so does mine. I know. know. We (laughs) talked about it. And they've, they've had a really rough weekend. Um, but they are at the same time um, very strong and very. They have a strong will and they want this to end and they are su- they are really prepared to to hang on and, and and as long as we we put an end to it. How many? How long has your family lived there? They made Aliyah directly from uh, Paris to Ashkelon four years ago. Oh, that's a four years. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So they're novices. <laughs> they are novices, <laughs> but they are they have really strong will and they're really strong in strong spirit. Um, they want it to end, but they don't want us to to stop in the middle and no, to it's most of the people there. And that's uh, do they yeah. still feel safer though now here in Ashkelon under rocket fire than they did back in in France? 
Depends who you ask in my no. family. <laughs> it's really, it's not that easy to imagine what it is to live under fire. And, uh, Listen, my my, really my family arrived in Ashkelon tomorrow night um, on the eve of Independence Day, 48 years ago. Um, we Happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing day. We'll get to that, I assume, later on. But uh, we lived in times when we would go to Gaza before there was peace. We would go to Gaza to, to the, the market, right? To the market, to the my restaurants, fish restaurants. We went there. Gazans worked in Ashkelon. My father worked with. I remember my father going to the wedding of one of his co-workers in Shati refugee camp. And then in 1993, we had the wonderful peace. The Oslo agreements were signed, and we had peace. And since then, not a, a single Israeli can set foot in there. Now, there's also not Israelis living in Gaza at all. But there's no connection between the Arabs and the people in Ashkelon or in Israel at all. And now we have all these missiles. Well, they have, life has so improved since the signing of the peace treaty. It's funny that you say that, because uh, I have a quite a, a sad story to tell about that similar thing that happened uh, in Hebron, in, in Hebron in, in English, right? Yep. Um, my dad never visited Hebron since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I brought him to Hebron last year and he said, this is completely different as I remembered I mean, because I remembered uh, a life in Hebron and Hebron before, is dead exactly before, before Oslo. Before Oslo. Yeah. So yeah, things are really bad in the Oslo plan. I, I would like to add um, regarding the missiles that I'm disappointed with uh, two parts of the society in Israel. The first part, the left-wingers who are saying that it's the Southern's fault because they elected Bibi, as if Gantz and Lapid would have gone and attacked Hamas and no, As if there it. wouldn't have been missiles exactly. had, uh, had somebody exactly. else been elected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also disappointed at Benjamin Netanyahu, um, not maybe going into uh, to war with Hamas, but still providing them with oil and electricity, where they have to understand that if they attack us, there is a price. So you're saying it's and not... And hurt them in the most sensitive uh, places uh, we can, and that's with oil, water, electricity. So you're uh, saying there's, there's things we, have, we can do that are not necessarily combative. Exactly. And measures that we can get a message exactly. across. Yeah. Listen, I had the privilege of interviewing here in Galei Israel Netanyahu uh, before the elections, and I did ask a question. As somebody who grew up in the South and my family's there, um, and I asked him, what do you say to this, that people are, and this was one of the questions that were raised before the elections, and he said, and you, you, you can agree with him or disagree, but his position is he doesn't take it lightly sending t- uh, soldiers to war. He knows what it is. Um, there are those who are saying there's another political element to it that we don't really know about. I don't know. I just know that people are not happy. For those who question why do the people in the South continue to, to support him, by the way, that point you're making that is made by people who didn't support Netanyahu, it's a pretty stupid claim because not 100% of the people there in the South voted for Netanyahu. It was like 40% or something like that. So they're saying that everybody, even those who agreed with them, deserve what they're getting. And that's how, how uh, it's disgusting. I, I've actually heard that. it on, on the right as well. People blaming those, not just the left, people on the right as well. Ah, the extreme blame, right. On the right, yeah. blaming those in the South who voted for Netanyahu, saying, what did you as expect? It, as if they could do something uh, different, any of that's, their... That's the, that's the question. I mean, uh, Benny, Benny Gans also, you know... Instead of pointing the finger to Hamas. Hamas exactly. Right. Uh, Gans, you know, of course, doing his thing down in the South, visiting the people down there, saying, 
basically that uh, I told you so, that if I was elected, I would have done X, Y, and Z. I would have done things differently. And I want to get to other responses as well. You have a little bit of an infighting going on in the, in the Likud where you have Minister Yuval Steinitz defending the prime minister, um, saying that this was the biggest blow essentially in two, since 2014, saying the IDF accomplished blow to, the, uh, to, to, the, to Hamas yeah. since 2014, accomplishing in two days what it took 50 days to, accomplishing, to accomplish, rather, but saying the only way to get rid of Hamas is to conquer Gaza entirely, but Gideon Saar, on the other hand, saying the ceasefire accomplished nothing and the rounds of violence are closer together. So you well, see two different points the within the Likud. That's that's what I'm asking. Exactly. Yeah, what do you think? He's challenging Benjamin Netanyahu. i just like to say that uh, we are here on a really thin line because Netanyahu doesn't want to conquer Gaza and actually nobody wants There's to really, nobody, in Israel, nobody so wants to left. conquer Exactly, we left Gaza and uh, and basically we left but we're still suffering from gaza mm-hmm. well, okay so, no we're actually suffering more now exactly and for years we've been told that if True. we leave gaza or we 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 cede territory we'll have peace if we recognize the plo but netanyahu netanyahu right now is is in a really bad place because on one hand he doesn't want to go to war and to he's not in a hurry to go to war mm. not just because the revision is is close by mm. that has nothing to do um but he's also he's also in on a, on a thin line because he knows that the only the only thing that he doesn't want to happen is he doesn't want to conquer to defeat hamas that's not his that's well, not that's his objective. That's what a lot of analysts are saying. He's, he's saying, and actually I think he, he mentioned that uh, during your interview yes, with he him. Did. He, he said, I don't want to defeat Hamas because it's not on our interest to have uh, Gaza and the territories unified. But he also said, it's not my job if the, P- the Palestinians have to do that and he's not going to take... But he also said that if we might get to that, and I think on a personal uh, opinion, is that we have four dead... That's more than enough. We don't yeah. ha- we don't have to suffer from a hundred or a thousand deaths to, to get to that point. It's not even the number of people actually dying. It's even the suffering of the people who live. Now we yeah. all take pride in the fact they're ghettoed, but we take the pride. Because we take pride in the fact that we're strong and we can survive it. And then look, that's I take not my the family. feeling on the f- on the field. No, no, it is. No, people it's not. People people feel that in the south, at least, they feel that we are pushed to 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 act, and we're not. Uh, proactive okay but people themselves they continue it's not that people are leaving there and groves it's not that people are are selling their homes and leaving people live there and i use my own family my mother is 84 years old she has polio she is disabled it's very hard for her in the 15 seconds that they have to jump out of bed she can't jump out of anywhere and to run she doesn't have a secure room because it's an old house Mm -hmm. and run to the hallway of the building she says, by the twi- time I get out of bed, the missiles are going to fall. So she just stays in bed. She's not hysteric. She's been through things in her life. Um, but even my brothers who live there, and they're my, my nieces and nephews, your family are here for four years. They've been through the 12 years since this has started in Ashkelon. They were little boys. He's now enlisting in the army, my, my nephew. And they've been through it, and they have the secure room. It has an emotional and, and a psychological effect and on him. And it's that is different. Yeah, and that is different, though, than what's happening uh, on the Palestinian side, where tens of thousands of Palestinians are actually leaving Gaza each year because Hamas is suffocating them. Mm-hmm. While we are suffering um, as well, we aren't leaving our ha- right. houses and homes because we know the importance of this land and we're going to fight for no, this land. No, we have nowhere to go. Where are we going to yeah, go? And true. we learned from our mistakes from Gush Katif. Exactly. Right. Let's not forget. All of that being said, though, um, Hamas is declaring victory. They're saying that the last few days... I hope that all these... Th- this will be... They always declare victory. Right. They, they the say that... Uh, they're saying it over and over and, um, you know, that they have a, they've uh, thwarted uh, the IDF's attempt to... To rid Gaza of Hamas, they're still in power, they're still in charge. 
they're calling the shots, and some would say that uh, that in fact it seems that they are calling the shots. And I mean, and this is we're talking about here. This is called the Israel Victory Project. That's right, what this, this is, show is. Uh, that's what I was podcast going to rather right. Israel Victory podcast. We're talking about the victory. Hamas says that this is their victory. I mean, where does the last battle over the last two days? Again, this is what the sixth time that's happened over the last several months. Where does that leave us in terms of this ultimate? vision of once and for all saying we've defeated our enemies when Hamas is saying we're the ones, we're the victors, we're enabled, well, we, we feel good. When we talk about Israel victory, we're not talking necessarily about the, the, the fact that Israel's victorious. I can ridicule the Hamas right now for claiming victory, but look, what are we actually talking about? We're talking about that in order to resolve the conflict here, the Arabs have to understand that they've lost. If we don't achieve that, psychologically i'm not even talking about physically right now if we don't bring them to the point as long as hamas can claim victory as long as they can and they, i thought you were going to talk about this daniela that uh, the other side they cheer the fact when they heard there were israeli casualties they were cheering for them that's a victory and what does this mean for us is that there will and for anybody who's normal is that this conflict is not going to be resolved as long as they can take anything and they are not completely disseminated Unless that happens, they're going to continue with their fight against Israel. And as long as that happens, it doesn't matter whatever peace process. And we made fun of, the, of Oslo because we thought, here, everybody promised us if we recognize them, if we cede territory, if we do all of these things, we'll have peace. It never brought us peace. And that's why we're talking about a victory in the sense that they have to understand that until that point in which the Arabs and the Hamas and whatever representative they have understand that it is futile to continue their battle against Israel, it doesn't matter what they're offered, it doesn't matter what kind of plan the world offers, there's not going to be peace and we can't continue making the mistakes of the past. And unfortunately, uh, the reservation on the part of the Prime Minister to, to use um, violence, which is necessary in this case, and to not only to defend us, but to also take out the will to fight on their side. To be pro-active. Right. Uh, this is exactly what this, I said. That necessity, which nobody wants to do on the Israeli but side. But we need to do it. Exactly. We need to that's, do it. That's the unfortunate uh, um, story sure. here. A lot of people saying that the reason, one of the reasons Israel did not finish the job this time, even though we did, target some, I would say, I guess, mid-level, perhaps, maybe you would call them senior-level Hamas terrorists, is the fact that we are entering a phase here of holidays, if you will, in Israel, Yom Azikaron, Memorial Day, Yom Atzmaut, and then Eurovision. I mean, I had, uh, who cares? I, I actually said, no, I, but I actually said yesterday that maybe, you know, maybe this is the Eurovision war, the Eurovision battle, because people are thinking, well, they don't want any problems for all the people arriving in Tel Aviv, and it will affect the tourism industry. Do you think that Eurovision plays a part you in know, any of this? Selfishly, and I'm, I'm not wishing for that, but selfishly, I'd like these Europeans that come in Israel just to have a tense of, you know, feeling of what we're going through Daily, yeah, but they were sitting in Tel Aviv, and Tel Aviv usually doesn't get bombed. They are not. Usually. I usually. saw an interview <laughs> on Israeli television the other night, and they asked one of the people here from Eurovision who was uh, practicing leading up to the performances, performances, mm -hmm. you know, did you hear about what's going on in the South? And this woman who's a singer said, I, I don't know, what are you talking I about, Rockets? she's a Cyprian well, she, yeah, she, she's she a favorite know, to win. She didn't know anything. Yeah. Living Which is good, but that's what happens in Tel Aviv. They should bring yeah. them to the South and visit. I'm sorry, no, they it should don't, be part they, of the no, delegation. they don't have to do that. We don't involve them in this thing, but they do have to understand understand that what we're actually talking about and that's unfortunately a lot of Europeans don't get it now if they're walking around well, I'm happy that they're here in Israel because if you're in Tel Aviv you can see and Jews Arabs it's especially um, evident in Jerusalem where you see Palestinians and Israelis living together uh, day to day that's the real life and that's what Israel that's because Israel is allowing this mm -hmm. to happen because only we're here uh, only under uh, the Jewish control sovereignty uh, and can all 
the religions feel free and, and, and live here in Israel peacefully. If you get them, if you give them the opportunity, and again, I say, we left, we withdrew from Gaza. We gave them the ability to be sovereign there. What have they done with that sovereignty is to try to make life miserable here for us. And what we're doing is trying to prevent that from happening. Now, they not only make life miserable for us, they make it miserable for their own people. Of course, instead of building uh, and developing tourism, things like that, they're nothing is, is developed in Gaza. Everything received, is ruined. Yeah, they received more money um, than Europe altogether True. after the Second World War. After, and and look Marshall how it plan. looks. Mm-hmm. If you compare it to Singapore or to even to Israel, um, in 70 years, Singapore and Israel, both th- these small empires, regional empires, where the Palestinians received much more money and didn't do anything with it except uh, invested in terrorism mm-hmm. and destruction. Clear, it's and their tunnels. leadership. It's their leadership who pocket their own um, pockets with it. So is this the victory? I don't think so. Not for us. Uh, not for it, them, I mean. They not, say not for, victory, yeah, they this say is not a victory. But you look at their lifestyle, you look at the unemployment there, which is over 60%. They're totally dependent on Israel. And, and by the way, we had no problem. We offered them. When we withdrew from Gaza, we gave them all the, the agriculture that we had developed and was exporting They've to Europe. They've ruined everything. They, uh, They've the destroyed everything. The next day, the next day. And then they used the places where you had these hothouses that were used to develop uh, produce that was sold and exported, and we gave it to them. I think it was it Warren Buffett purchased it. $20 million. Dollars. Warren Buffett purchased it for $20 million uh, dollars and gave it to the Palestinians and they tore up those... Uh, uh, greenhouses. The greenhouses. Yeah. And they used the, nice. the uh, metal to, cre- to, to, to build uh, missiles against Israel. And they used the fields as launching as pads. As launching pads. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's amazing. that They're involved in death and they celebrate death while we celebrate... Life. Life. Well, it's, it's the same with the so-called uh, Palestinian refugees. They are kept in camps right. and not given citizenship all mm-hmm. over the Arab countries and around the world. They still call themselves refugees. And that brings me to the other point of the alternative uh, ceremony um, for the memorial of the... Um, Josh, do you want to take it? No, oh, I was going to say yeah. we're going to pause for station identification. I want to get to that. I also want to get to, we mentioned just for briefly here, the money which is flowing into Gaza. When there's a report about that here. And some terms of the so-called ceasefire have been made public just a couple hours ago. We want to get to that. But first we have to do station ID. You're listening to the Israel Victory Podcast from the beautiful studios of Galei Israel in co- uh, collaboration with the Middle East Forum. My name is Josh Haston. It's May the 7th, 2019, the second of ER 5779. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. And we are back in Jerusalem, the Israel Victory Podcast. My name is Josh Haston, broadcasting from the studios of Galei Israel Radio here in Jerusalem for May the 7th, 2019. Thanks so much for joining us. We're in studio with Daniela Trobe, commentator and renowned author. Danny Seaman, head of the Middle East Forum's Israel desk, and also Rochelle Tuito from the Middle East Forum. And we were just talking about the money situation in Gaza. So I just saw this a couple hours ago, the terms of the so-called ceasefire uh, between Israel and, I don't know who, Hamas or whomever uh, Israel is negotiating with via Egypt, via the UN, a third party. Number one, uh, Qatar is sending in 480 million dollars in aid to both uh, the so-called West Bank, Judea and Samaria and Gaza. 30 million of those dollars will be going to Hamas. The deal for Hamas is uh, they have to stop with the incendiary balloons. They have to stop the Friday demonstrations. They have to move them back. They have to behave. They have to control the 
they Palestinian have, they have jihad being who they are. or Islamic jihad. That's what they're asking. Those are the terms of this latest deal. Again, we've had about, I don't know, 35,000 ceasefires over the last couple of years. Um, but those are the terms. I want you guys to comment on this. I mean, should we be sending in or allowing the delivery of $480 million, specifically $30 million, going into Hamas? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely Why? not. Well, humanitarian aid. Let's play devil's advocate. They need humanitarian yeah, aid, right? Well, we know what their humanitarian aid is actually uh, in reality. What we need, though, is to not be um, reactive to what's going on. We always at least thought, and, and that's the feeling in Israel, that we are always react to them. We need to be proactive and we need to, to make sure that not only we deter them from, from, from uh, attacking us all the time and, and putting in motion all these attacks to get what they want. We need to show them and be strong in front of them and to not let them get what they want because they, this is, um, how do you say in, in, in English, schita. This is Blackmail. the extortion. This is extortion. Even a better word. How do you say it in French? How do you say it in French? Extortion. Very easy. You should have just said it in French. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we we really need to be to be stronger and and, and active. I don't. I I hate well, being. We can do it uh, the American reactive. way. Reactive, which is which is where where we re when Israel receives the aid, we have to invest it back into the American economy. So they so receive aid and they have to invest it into the Israeli economy. Hamas will. I like the yeah. Spend yeah. money in our stores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're investing it by throwing the missiles. In by a different kind, yeah. you know. Do, do oh. they have something Brian, to offer? Yeah, buying maybe products. Rockets. No, they can buy products, well, high tech yeah, products, like, I mean, agriculture products. Like, like pay said. for the electricity they actually. Taking Consume, from us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're using, I mean, D Danny said it, they're using our fuel. They're putting it in, right. in their rockets. You know, the, you know how many trucks are down there in the south delivering humanitarian aid on a, on a daily basis, tons and tons of materials. And then there's not only are they smuggling in uh, uh, materials used for weapons within that humanitarian aid, they managed to smuggle it in, but then the aid itself... Hamas is hijacking it, using it for their purposes of building tunnels with building no, materials you know, and I, rockets. But, but so they are it's, using it's it in worse Israel. Worse than that, they're also lining their pockets. Did you oh, see this uh, thing from the UN uh, uh, Human Rights Council last week? UNHCR. They had, yeah, the, the, there was the Palestinian representative speaking about how poor their situation is in the humanitarian crisis. And on his hand is a um, Rolex um, um, watch, wristwatch, but wristwatch. No, it's, which a is it's a fake. He got it in Manhattan for five bucks. <laughs> yeah, Come I'm on. sure he did. No, they don't. That's the whole thing. And they have <laughs> private planes. They live in the most lavish uh, apartments. Because they don't really care about the people. They don't people. care about the people, and that's they it. They only and care the about hurting us, and that, that's and it. And yet people. the Palestinians voted Hamas in. By the way, they didn't vote since, well, uh, since 2000. Since, yeah, yeah, they yeah. haven't had a chance still, to vote, but they, they voted. But isn't it strange? Those same left-wing Israelis who are saying that the right-wing who voted for Netanyahu are getting what they deserve because they voted for him. Well, wait a minute. Aren't the Palestinians voting for these Hamas. people for Hamas? Except Hamas was elected in the, in the Palestinian and like parliament. Like I said last week on on our last podcast, uh, if elections uh, would have would have happened uh, in the next few right. months in, in the in the territories in the PLO uh, yeah. region, PLO controlled control areas exactly. Hamas control. would be uh, yeah. the, the that's that's who they support. The, yeah, right. But exactly. that being said, you had in a recently in, this, in the last couple of months, you did have demonstrations in the streets yes. of of Gaza against Hamas. Of course, Hamas. Uh, used brutal, down. brutal force, which I don't believe was was you know I didn't see it on the front page condemning the uh, force used by Hamas to uh, hurt well, the human harm rights organizations, their own which people are, have two hundred resolutions against Israel. Don't care is the, when Israel. And this is the interesting thing. The What's happening people. right now is that the international community is encouraging the Palestinians and encouraging the leadership, the Hamas, to continue with the war and the violence because they let them understand the, we have to help them. We ha you're not helping them. 
by perpetuating the violence against Israel. If you want to put, if you want to see this situation resolved, it has to be made clear to them that this is unacceptable, that this is not going to continue. Yeah, but this is not, this is, this is not new. Okay, it's I know, always but, like but that. But everybody claims these European countries you, claim that they want to help UNRWA the situation. Right, is not stopped, and they're encouraging. This is encouraging the perpetuation of the conflict, and they and they are responsible for the education of the schools, exactly, and the young people, the and they continue. EU, yeah, and they continue with their uh, school books. The EU invests in and the uh, UN in the schools. And this is what people have to ask well. in Europe and in the United States. Where is your money going? This money is supposedly going they to aid care. the Palestinians. No, no. The public supposedly does. And if they know that their taxpayer money is being used to encourage violence and to disrupt life here, for not only for Israelis, but also for the Palestinians themselves, then they have to question what is the, where is the wisdom yet, of what is going on. And yet I don't see a Taylor Force Act uh, being uh, passed in, in the European courts. Right. That was passed in the United States. But the Europeans in their, their hypocritical position, by encouraging Hamas, by supporting Hamas, by mm -hmm. you saw when uh, what was said this week in the midst of their violent attacks against Israel, there were these um, in bus in stops London. in London, yeah. these bus stops that, um, that were calling saying, while Israel is killing, killing children, children yeah. have a, a yeah, great weekend, a, something yeah, like they that. They keep encouraging them to continue their violence against Israel instead of resolving. So, what the then do you say to our own people living in the south? Here's a headline Gaza border residents in the Knesset, the government doesn't care about us. How do you approach those living under fire now for 18 years? How do you face them? What do you say to them when they rightfully so uh, complain about their daily reality? No, they're not complaining. Let's make this clear. They're raising a legitimate claim that le let's put an end to this. By perpetuating it, by putting out fires all the time, what we're doing is perpetuating it's the, the conflict. It's buying time, that's it. But, but, but eventually it's going to end in and it's, fire. it's costing a lot of money. Who cares about and the money right now? Not just the money, money human lives as well. That's more for important. death. And it's not only the death, it's the, those who are living that have the psychological damage. And I'm and talking trauma. about, you know what, Daniela was bringing, Daniela brought this up before the, that this, we're going to discuss this when we reach the, the, the aspect of the Israel Memorial Day. When the, these people who are calling for a joint memorial service, listen, okay, forget the, that for a moment, I'm sure we'll address this in a moment, but the, let's think about what are the Palestinians going through? What are the Palestinians? Those who care want to have to want this to end, and this can only end when they understand that they've lost. And there's no benefit. They're not going to de defeat us. I think they're a lot of them. I think a lot of the citizens, the Palestinian citizens, are actually understanding that, and that's why they are deserting Gaza and running away from Gaza right. individually and independently. They are leaving. Not only there in Judea and Samaria. Yeah, but once they're out, once they're in Europe, settled down, they yeah. don't they don't give up on their uh, hate for Israel. Yes, but if they don't have the a grasp time. of the land, it's much easier. If they're there far away, it's much yeah. easier. You're raising an important point, what people don't get. Because people like to look at them as the poor Palestinians, the minority, they're being abused by this uh, huge Israel. Daniela says they go to Europe and then they join these because they're part of the Islamic Public. Movement, yeah. It's not the a movement. ideology. The ideology, the yeah. Ummah al Islamia. It's the the the, uh, the Islamic uh, people. Dal al Islam. And and they they're not a minority. They control vast areas which are twice the size of the United States mm -hmm. uh, of Islamic control. And we're a very small country here. And and we're dealing with this. We're in the front line of what Europeans are only now starting to but understand. The bottom but going line, back to our situation, the bottom here, line in all we're this. going nowhere. We're staying here. And, and they may see themselves as being victorious. And that's exactly losing. my point. Uh, we can't control what happens outside in, the in Europe. We can influence, of course, but we can't really control. What we can control is what are our demands from, from our, our government. government. Right. Well, well, we have to put an end to this, regardless of what the Europeans say and what the UN says. 
moving on somewhat, I guess, from the, what's going on down in the south, uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the show a very special time here in Israel, a very emotional time, the highs and the lows of being an Israeli, being a Jew here in the state of Israel. You have Yom HaZikaron, which starts tonight just in a few hours with a minute of silence at 8 p.m. and then another two minutes of silence tomorrow, I believe, at 11 a.m. for all of those 23,000-plus who have fallen defending the state of Israel not only IDF soldiers, security forces, and in addition, uh, we recognize victims of terror as well. So uh, before we get to uh, what everyone's thoughts are on that actual experience in Yom Zikaron and then Independence Day, uh, this is also a news item here, and I know uh, Daniela is very eager, and I Me think too. Rochelle's Me also, to, to talk about <laughs> this. Uh, here is from the Associated Press. Israeli court rules Palestinians may attend joint memorial. Israel's Supreme Court has ordered Prime Minister Netanyahu to allow 176 Palestinians from what they call the West Bank to enter Israel and attend a joint Israeli-Palestinian Memorial Day ceremony in Tel Aviv. The court upheld an appeal on Monday against Netanyahu's refusal, as Israel, he is now Israel's defense minister, to grant entry to Palestinians for the event, which is to take place today. Um, the judges acknowledged uh, that, uh, I think, last year that they were barred from entering. This year they are, but what we're talking about here is a joint memorial. In other words, recognizing that Israeli soldiers have been killed, but people on the other side have been killed too. Is this appropriate? Should Israel have allowed these, our court have allowed those in recognizing that Arabs have died uh, in an attempt to annihilate Israel? I mean, that's essentially what this is. On a different topic. Um, This same organization that's organizing the ceremony, um, just a couple of months ago, released a video uh, encouraging the so-called right of return of the Palestinians to the land of Israel. You mean the destruction of the state of Israel? Exactly, the destruction of the state of Israel. Um, Gamal Abdel Nasser um, and a lot of, (coughs) sorry, a lot of the... um, assistance of Arafat um, said it out loud, bringing back uh, these refugees to Israel um, means the destruction of the state of Israel. So these people don't want coexistence, don't want a joint ceremony. This is an agenda, a political agenda. This isn't a peace process. This isn't something to unify the the two people. This is destroying the memory and, uh, and, and putting it together with the Palestinians' death um, and they're, therefore also bringing forward um, the destruction of the state of Israel. Also, I want to state that the money last year for this ceremony came mostly from German organizations mm. and uh, Germany. Um, I wonder how Germany itself would uh, react if we would invest, uh, Israel would invest in a ceremony um, together with the um, terror, terrorist on a ga- uh, organizations uh, that Meinhof killed the, the Germans yeah. in Afghanistan. It's or ironic. Butter, or Butter Meinhof. Ironic, don't you think? Go well, ahead. For me, for me it's, it's touching in the most sensitive chord of the Israeli nation. I mean, these soldiers and, and, and security people that died in, in order for us to just live here and to be able to live in Israel, and they take their memory and they do that, semer- that alternative ceremony, as they call it, during the same day that we pay our respects for them. And it's outrageous to think about that. It, ma- it makes me so angry and I can't even think about uh, the, the possibility that people actually can compare between losing idea soldiers, our own brother and sisters, to the, those terrorists who, who kill them, who murder them. And, and that's outrageous that we got to that point. And I'd like to also to add uh, something else. 
um, the people who attend that and people who, who participate to, to this um, ceremony. I don't even want to call it a ceremony. Um, and my voice is actually really, <laughs> I can see, hear it. Um, the, um, the, the woman who, who will um, host. Be exactly, who, be, who will host uh, this event is Shimon Perez's granddaughter. This is not small people, like uh, civilians, normal people. This is uh, the elite, right? Supposedly, this is I don't supposedly, see being elite. Yeah, but they were the elite in the 90s, and they were, by the way, the ones who brought us Oslo. Right. I don't want to talk about it again, but we keep mentioning it. But it's true, and how, how can Israeli people be able to, to, to reach that low point? And, and this is outrageous. I can't even say but, but it enough. Listen, they say it's an issue of... of freedom of speech. And you know what? If they want to commemorate together... Go to Gaza and do that. Wait a minute. If they, if they want to commemorate with the enemies, fine. I'm a Democrat in the, in the sense of, uh, of upholding democracy, not politically. I'm saying I, I believe in democracy. Fine. Let them do it. Why do they have to do it on the day... To hurt which, us. Uh, why do they have to do it on the day in which we set, set aside for us to remember our fallen, and it's not only the soldiers who fell, it's also the victims of terrorism... Let's, I'll give you a small example. Now people are publishing uh, on, on social media. I have a good friend of mine, Penina Eisenman, who um, 20 years ago lost her five-year-old daughter. And I have a five-year-old. And I'm looking at the picture of her. Her daughter would have been 24 years old today, after the army, in university. She never got to enjoy that because her daughter, together with her mother, were murdered in a bus stop in Jerusalem. Their only crime was sitting at a bus stop and the fact that they were Jewish. They didn't look for Arabs. And by the way, they didn't care if they were right-wing, left-wing, settler. Not. They were Jewish. That's who exactly. they targeted. They wanted to make our lives miserable. They wanted sick. to take... And they murdered this five-year-old child. Can you imagine them celebrating and commemorating the terrorists... The murderers. Who murdered the, the murderers of this five-year-old. Imagine your five-year-old daughter being mar- murdered. And you take aside the date of your memorial service for your five-year-old daughter... And they, th- and they want you to sit to with the family of the murderer. It, it, it's, it's, out- it's not only outrageous. It, it, this is it, sick. This it, is it sick. Is ma- it's, it's it is, sick. in my opinion, I mean, this is a skewed moral compass here when you're equating the victims with the terrorists and mourning them equally. I mean, you have another organization, uh, if not now, right. that does the same, you know, a similar thing. But they do it every single day. They don't do it once right. a year where they say Kaddish, the mourner's prayer for Hamas terrorists, and they accuse Israel this past weekend in Gaza, they accuse Israel of murdering deliberately, you know, deliberately murdering civilians or whatnot. I mean, you do have, and again, this ceremony, if I recall last year, you do have numbers uh, in the thousands who actually go out. I don't know if it's 2,000 or 20,000 or how many people are going to show up tonight to this so-called art- alternative but it's, you it's do have a lot of people signaling of people who think they're and they're doing something for peace this is not doing bringing peace as we spoke about Oslo Oslo did not bring concessions have not brought peace only determination only making it very clear that we're here to stay there is nothing that they're going to do that is going to make us pick up and leave and if they want to improve their lives and these so-called uh, uh, virtuous people who want to bring resolve the situation here all you're doing is perpetuating the vines because you're letting them understand that we are weak we can be defeated we can we they can win by continuing with the mm-hmm. violence and with the, uh, with the terrorism. And that's all they're doing. Listen, Hamas this past week perpetu- perpetuated war crimes by firing against civilian population indiscriminately and also from civilian population. But they don't care about that. That's the Who cares about standards. them? I'm talking about the international community yeah. that instead of them speaking out against it, instead of them and the bus the stops. United and the United States did speak against uh, the it. The United States is the only ones with a moral compass right now. 
unfortunately, Europe never had a moral compass. Speaking of moral compass, I think that what we see here in, among the Israeli society, this is a breach in morality. This is of a course. low point. And I'm, I think about it and I, I think it's really sick. You, you can't even differ between uh, yourself, right. your nation and the enemy. Right. So since we are almost out of time and we are, are approaching Yom Hazikaron Memorial Day, I think we should uh, perhaps recognize, you know, since our, I believe our moral compass is pointing in the right direction, the four people who were murdered were killed over the weekend as a result of the rocket attacks. 58-year-old Moshe Agadi, a father of four from Ashkelon, Zaid al-Hamdea, who's actually a, a Bedouin from the south, uh, father of seven, 47 years old, who was killed in a factory, murdered in Ashkelon. Moshe Feder, 60 years old, an anti-tank missile hit his car near the Gaza border. Uh, and, tw- and also 21-year-old, I think, I believe he was a rabbi, Pinchas right. Menachem uh, Prezuzman, running for the shelter in Ashdod. Again, we mentioned over 200 injured as we approach this there. You know, you usually you recognize the last victims of the year right. leading yes. up to Yom Zikaron. And, and sadly, they actually had the, the numbers out a few days ago, you know, this many, 23,000 plus, and now they have to add four more uh, uh, victims um, I, I posted here, on this today exactly what you were saying. You said there was a, uh, a Muslim who, Bedouin, who was killed. Yeah, and visited by the president of the right. state of Israel. And I'm saying that the only joint mourning that, uh, which we Jews share with our brethren, citizens of Israel, Druze, Bedouin, Christians, Charkesim, Muslims, are the ones who, who lost loved ones in the defense of this country and who were murdered in terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. That's the joint uh, 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 ceremony that we should hold, and we hold it, and we hold it, and, and that's what we yeah, do. And that Bedouin no family was so honored that Rivlin actually right. came and visited. And Rivlin said, "Why wouldn't I come?" They were like, "What, what, are, you, what are you doing here?" They're like, what, "What are you doing here?" They're citizens of the yeah. country, and exactly. that's the that's what Israel really truly represents. That's what what symbolizes uh, uh, Israel, and not joining with your enemies and commemorating. Let them do it. Why do we have to commemorate? So, them? with our limited time, I want to end on a positive note. That's Yom Hazikaron Memorial Day, and then by tomorrow night at about 8 o'clock. The flags, which are at half-mast, will be raised all over the country and it will turn into our celebration, celebrating 71 years of independence here in the modern state of Israel. Of the restoration of the Jewish. The mo- exactly. And so my question is, with about two and a half minutes left, I mean, what are you guys doing? Yomatz mode. How are you celebrating this year, guys? Well, the and gals? Alcohol. <laughs> okay, the one word answer. I think that summarizes it. Yeah, we'll, barbecue as well. Yeah. Barbecue. Okay, well, ju- just a really cool fact. The 9th of May, uh, the day of the victory on the uh, German, German army, yeah. um, is the same day this year as the Independence Day. And just to say that about half a million Jews fought in the uh, battle against the Nazis uh, right. with the Russian army. Nice. Um, and then they came uh, to came to Israel. 250,000 uh, with the Allied forces exactly. on the west. Exactly, and then a million of the Russians actually came to Israel in the 90s, uh, and they are an extreme and an important power in Israel today, uh, the, and they enlarged the numbers of the citizens here. So and we have to remember that we've come back after 2,000 years. We're at the highest point that the mm-hmm. Jewish people have ever been in their history. We are strong. We are strongly independent. And our country, uh, 71 years. 71 That's years. It. And, and we and did and all we did. And we've taken this from, a th- when I arrived here 48 years ago, tomorrow night, and on the <laughs> 8 o'clock when we left the airport. That's a great it was, arrival it was, a, it was our Independence Day, and I, I, was, I said my mom, 
they're, they're Jewish and that person, everybody was Jewish. It was an amazing thing That's for me. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> everybody was Jewish here. And it was a third world country at that time, 48 years ago. And these 48 years since I've arrived here, not because of me, but uh, this country has become- You one can get of the some credit. <laughs> one of the leading countries in the world. We are modern. Anybody who comes here is amazed. amazed and I'm talking about did. not only yeah. Jews and, 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 Euro and Western Europeans, etc. I know Muslims, many Muslims who've come mm -hmm. here. 50,000 Muslims visited Israel this past year. And I personally know two of them from Afghanistan who visited. And they were amazed at this country and the friendly, how people received them so warmly and, and nicely. And that's what this country is really about. Despite our shortcomings, we are strong. We are proud. We are here after 2,000 years of exile. So I want to wish all the listeners out there a... Yom Ha'atzma'ut Sameach, Happy Independence Day. We'll certainly be celebrating here with barbecues and alcohol and everything else that goes <laughs> along with it here. Our time is up for today. You've been listening to another edition of the Israel Victory Podcast from the studios of Galei Israel Radio here in Jerusalem, a project of the Middle East Forum. May the 7th, 2019, the 2nd of EVR 5779. Everyone out there, have a wonderful Independence Day. Shalom from Jerusalem, and please, God, we'll talk again next week.